Christ Community Church, located at 25th and Thomas Avenue in Portsmouth, Ohio. Christ Community meets on Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 10.30 a.m. For more information, visit www.christcommunity.net or check out our Facebook page. What can I say about, I don't know, what was it, 3.30, 4 o'clock yesterday? I heard wailing and the gnashing of teeth all throughout Ohio. I don't know what that was about. I'm lying. I repent, Lord. I know exactly what it was about. Uh, has somebody done a wellness check on Gary Harrison? Is he okay? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry about that, Buckeye fans. But um, hey, Kentucky fans, we won our rivalry game day. But anyway, um, uh, they were ranked. Hey, hey, we're bowl eligible, baby. So. Oh, a couple things. Um, What can I say? The last three or four weeks have been uh, really rough physically. I had some kind of stomach bug, and then Megan was gone, and it's the only time I was grateful she was gone because I got COVID, and so I was glad I could, you know, really quarantine because she wasn't there. And so I had COVID, and then she came home with the flu, and because she loved me, she shared it with me. And so I got one, two, three over the last five weeks. I've had three different illnesses, and then uh, I was struggling, still just coughing up a lung. And I want to thank Jamie Lynn Arnett for recommending steroids because we had some at the house, whatever it's called, whatever it is. And, um, and so I've been taking those all week, and it's, it's helped a lot. Uh, but here is what happens to me on steroids. If you've ever taken this stuff, you know, the first day you take like six, and the next day you take like five, and the next day four, and then three, two, one. And the six, five, four, steroids hit me like right before bed, I chugged a strong black pot of coffee like Ogre from Revenge of the Nerds. Just, just, you know, I, I, cannot sleep, you know, on those heavy, heavy doses. My wife came down <clears throat> one day this, this morning, or this week, about seven o'clock in the morning, and she said, why didn't you come to bed? I said, I haven't been to sleep, you know, so it's been an interesting week, so I've had very little sleep, so this could be interesting. Stay tuned. Um, uh, just one real big announcement, we've got a couple of things coming up. Um, our Christmas Eve service is on a Saturday. It'll be at 4 o'clock. It'll be about an hour, hour and 15 minutes. So you'll be out of here by 5.15 at the latest. So plenty of time to go home and have Christmas Eve dinner and all that um, other kind of stuff. Um, but we will not, because Christmas um, Day is on a Sunday, we will not be having Sunday services. Just be with your family. But that Saturday, we will be doing worship, communion, the whole schmear on Saturday at four o'clock, and we've got some um, new people singing and stuff. It's going to be, it's going to be a good, good deal. And again, I, I apologize again for my appearance. I've been quarantined for a couple weeks, so to quote the existential poet's poison, my hair's in a rat's nest, but that's, you know, that's just the way it is. I'm pretty sure Jay Sturgill would have welcomed me into her barbershop, but I didn't want to be coughing all over her customers 
and especially at this time. And by the way, we've got a lot of people sick. Even if you, if you get the bulletin, you take it home, and you should, and be praying over those people. We still got a lot of people this week that came down with the flu and RSV and all the other kind of COVID and all the other kind of stuff. I've been receiving messages uh, all week, so be, be praying. God knows who they are. Well, this morning, we're looking at, we're continuing with the gospel project, and we're talking about scripture. It may seem like we're taking a bit of a detour because we're going through like Joshua, and then all of a sudden we're in the Psalms, but there is a rhyme and reason for that. And so we're talking about Scripture and the point of Scripture and what Scripture's supposed to do. And, and so Miss Yates read, you know, Psalm 119, 105, which many of you know that, you know, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The word he's talking about there is Scripture, and he's saying that basically the psalmist, inspired by God, is saying that we are surrounded by darkness, and the only way to navigate it is God's Word. It's not that there are not other truths out there, but God's Word trumps any other so-called truth. And we live in a world where we get advice through clickbait, and online surveys, and ridiculous online and streaming personalities. I don't watch a lot of that stuff. I'm old enough. The last one I remember was Dr. Phil. Really? Dr. Phil? Um, Brought to you by Oprah. Um, But Christians, according to most surveys, do not study their Bibles. And as a result, they fall prey to what we see as wisdom, but what the Bible calls foolishness. Absolute foolishness, if not perversity. Um, I drive my wife crazy in many ways, but one of the ways I drive her crazy is, you know, as I've said many times, When I work, I typically work at home on my couch with my laptop on my lap and my Logos Bible software, and I usually have the news on in the background, usually muted or turned down, but I've got the news on in the background. And I flip around, and she hates the news. It depresses her. But I was watching this week some trends. For example, here's a current trend that came to you, that spread because of Facebook and Instagram and TikTok. Free-range parenting. Have you heard about this one? Free-range parenting is you allow your kids to do whatever they want, eat whatever they want, say whatever they want, watch whatever they want. They make their own choices. And the idea is that in the end, they will be more independent. This passes as wisdom. This is insanity. I remember my son, who's now a sophomore in college, but when my son was like three years old, he was at the breakfast table one morning, and he looks up up and he says, Daddy, when do I get to be the decider? I said, son when you're 22 and gainfully employed. He said, but I, you make the decision. Why don't I get to make the decision? I said, son, I love you. 
I love you. I love you to the point I would throw myself in front of a train for you. However, if I let you make the decisions, this house would be a burning pile of rubble in 15 minutes. The Bible says that you are to guide your children. You are to instruct your children in the ways of the Lord. That is wisdom. Letting them run wild like feral cats is stupidity. Absolute stupidity. The Bible says to instruct your children, guide your children, raise them in the ways of the Lord. But you wouldn't know it by Christians' comments on Facebook. Because Christians don't study the Word of God as much as they should. I get into a lot of trouble uh, for saying this one all the time. I'll blame it on lack of sleep this time. When I talk about sex, somebody always gets really upset. When I talk about the fact that the Bible is very clear that sex is reserved for between a man and a woman within the bounds of marriage, that that's what God designed it for. It's a holy and good thing within those bounds, but those are the bounds that he has set. And people argue with me like all the time, Christians. Speaking of news, I remember watching, this was several years ago, I was watching uh, a fairly popular news program that comes on at 5 o'clock. And one of the panelists, they were talking about a study that had come out. And the study was controversial. And here's what the controversial study said. That people who wait till they're married to have sex divorce at a lower rate than those who don't. And they were arguing about this. And one of the guys, a self-identified Christian, said, with all due respect, you test drive a car before you buy it, don't you? I remember telling that to my wife, and she looked at me and she said, did he just compare an entire gender to a car? I said, yes, he did. And he calls himself a Christian. Now, that doesn't mean that there's not forgiveness. I understand that. Before I became a Christian, I had a reputation. When I became a Christian, my father's words to me were, it's about time. You've never had any direction. All you did was chase skirts. And I said, well, Dad, in all fairness, that is a direction. There's the skirt. There I go. So there is forgiveness. But if we're going to recognize the wisdom of God, we have to accept the wisdom of God, even we don't like it. And unfortunately, we live in a culture where, but I don't feel, I don't think, I don't, okay. This is where I want to quote the end of the book of Job to people. I love the end of the book of Job. Job's a tough read to get through. But at the end, 
Job is arguing with God, which in the Bible, nobody ever wins that argument. And so Job is talking to God and saying, I don't deserve this. I deserve something else. And God's response to Job is, Job, all right, do me a favor. Create a mountain real quick. Just throw one up. I did it. Go, go, throw a mountain up. And Job goes, uh. He goes, hey, Job, you see those eagles flying around up in the air? Do you know what they're saying to each other? And Job goes, uh. And God goes, exactly. When you look around at creation, and we often take it for granted, like, I'm always weirded out that we live in Portsmouth, Ohio, and what's the biggest attraction in Portsmouth, Ohio, in southern Ohio? It's the Ohio River. And nobody ever really utilizes that real estate. I don't understand why. It's beautiful. And we look at that river, and we look at those hills, and, and we look at Shawnee Forest, and all that kind of stuff, and we have a tendency to go, oh, this is nice, and never once think that God created that with a word. And we're going to argue we're going to argue with him about what? The greatest intelligence in the universe has said this is my word. This is it. And so our feels, our likes, I think cannot compete with that. It doesn't work. And I've had people tell me, okay, Matt, but I've tried to study the Bible, but I don't get it. I don't understand it. And I said, well, first of all, you know, get out of Leviticus for a minute and go to the Gospels and go to Paul's letters and start there. And so if you think that the Bible, because it's 2,000 years old, is irrelevant. Let me read to you just a few lines from the Apostle Paul that he wrote to one of the young men he was mentoring, Timothy. So if you look at 2 Timothy 3, this is what Paul writes. Now I want you as I read this to think that this is being written today and if it applies. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will only love themselves and their money. Have you been on Facebook? You think that's outdated? People will only love themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. This week, when I had the news on in the background, I saw something that caught my eye and I turned the volume up because I couldn't believe it. At this point, I should. There was a clothing line, a marketing... I, I can't remember because I kind of got thrown back by it. 
The marketing campaign was, was showing children in S&M clothing, bondage clothing. This was their marketing idea. And when I say children, I'm not saying 17-year-olds. I'm talking about 8-year-olds. This is the culture we live in. I have seen several journal articles in which academics, mainly psychiatrists and psychologists, have tried to argue in academic journals that an adult sexual attraction to a child is completely normal. Welcome, folks, to Sodom and Gomorrah 2.0. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. Have you been on Twitter? Twitter, of course, has been in the headlines because it has new ownership. I've been on Twitter for a long time. The only thing I do on Twitter is promote the podcast I do with my son, the movie podcast I do with my son, because he's a film student, I don't do anything else on Twitter. Because the absolute hatred on Twitter is unbelievable. You may remember a few years ago, uh, if you know the comedian Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart, when growing up, wanted to be a stand-up comic, and he wanted to be such a good stand-up comic and such a popular stand-up comic that his dream was that he would be asked to host the Oscars. And he was. He was asked to host the Oscars. And then a bunch of people on Twitter found some of his old jokes from five to six years before that they labeled as racist, homophobic, so forth. So what does he do? He, he goes on TV shows and he apologizes. He said, I was wrong, I was young and I was immature, I shouldn't have said that. And the public response was, too bad. We don't forgive you. And he had to withdraw from hosting the Oscars or otherwise there would have been mass protests. And this is after he asked for forgiveness. I don't get that, by the way. I understand that cancel culture has been around for a long time. It really has. Some of, us, some of you are old enough, like me, to remember when Jimmy the Greek was canceled because he made racist comments back in the 80s, and he got fired. He used to be you know, on, on hosting NFL programs all the time, and he was just shut out. Cancel culture has been around for a long time, but the lack of forgiveness, the lack of redemption, That's really startling to me. It's like if Kevin Hart goes on and he says to gay people, I shouldn't have said that, I was wrong, it seems to me the logical response from the gay community is, we won. He agrees with us now, that's a victory, let's move on. And instead it was off with his head. That I don't get. But this is what Paul said. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends 
be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. They are the kind who work their way into people's home and win the confidence of vulnerable women who are burdened with the guilt of sin and controlled by various desires. Such women are forever following new teachings, but they are never able to understand the truth. These teachers oppose the truth just as Giannis and Yambras opposed Moses. They have depraved minds and a counterfeit faith, but they won't get away with this for long. Someday everyone will recognize what fools they are, just as with Giannis and Yambras. But you, Timothy, certainly know what I teach and how I live and what my purpose in life is. You know my faith, my patience, my love, and my endurance. You know how much persecution and suffering I have endured. You know all about how I was persecuted in Antioch and Iconium and Lystra. But the Lord rescued me from all of it. Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Let me repeat that. Yes, and everyone, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Will someone please read this verse to Joel Osteen? Because he and his ilk need to hear it. Your best life is not now, it is not name it and claim it. If you are truly faithful to Jesus Christ, according to his word, you will suffer. But evil people and imposters will flourish. They will deceive others and will themselves be deceived. But you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they are true, for you know you can't trust those you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. Now notice this. All Scripture, all Scripture is inspired by God, which means it comes from God. It actually means breathed out by God. And is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Does that sound outdated? It's 2,000 years old, and it sounds like he wrote it yesterday. The Bible's not outdated. The Bible is our lamp, our light in the darkness. And there may be wisdom in other places, but there's nothing like this. Nothing. And if anything contradicts it, it's not wisdom. In 1 Corinthians 10.31, Paul writes that the reason God rescued him was to bring God glory. And he writes that basically all of us were made to bring God glory. I want you to know that when you study Scripture, and I hope you do, that when you read Scripture, and you should every single day, That, the point, as I made last time, is not for us to get to heaven. The point of Scripture is not our salvation. That's important, that's part of it, but that's not all of it. 
Scripture teaches that our entire lives, the point of our entire lives, is to glorify God. Over and over and over again, to glorify God. What does Jesus say to his Father? He says, Father, glorify your name. And the Father says, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it. It is to glorify God. But the problem is this. We use the term glorify or glorification or whatever, and when we use that term, it's a churchy term that most people don't understand. And I get it. You don't walk around every day using glory or glorify. You don't. Glorification, you don't use these words in everyday parlance. You just don't. So what does glorify mean? Does it mean to worship God? Yes, it does. But it means more than that. See, here's the problem. We like for any word we use to have one meaning and one meaning only. And it doesn't work that way. Words have different meanings in different contexts. It depends how you use it. And words can have many meanings all at the same time, not contradictory. So, for example, I've told you this before, the word faith. The word faith does mean believe, but not just believe. The Greek word for faith means believe, trust, and be loyal to. It's I believe in Jesus Christ, I trust in Jesus Christ, I am loyal to Jesus Christ. That is faith. And all of them are equally important. If I told you that I believe in Jesus Christ, and then I went home and snorted cocaine and cheated on my wife, do I have faith in Jesus Christ? No. No. Not at all. Because that's not being loyal to. That's not trusting in. The word glorify, glorification, begins with, believe it or not, simply recognition. Recognition. Glorify begins with recognizing who God is and what that demands. Who is God? And what does that demand? The simple fact is, what that really means is keeping God at the forefront of your thought process. Keeping God in mind constantly. If you have God in your mind, if you're thinking about God and who God is and recognizing who God is and what that demands, you will believe more, trust more, and be more loyal. If you can keep that at the forefront of your mind. I... Um, my routine 
even during this uh, month of the plague at the Rawlings household, which I'm not kidding you. I haven't, I haven't, we've been in such quarantine. I haven't seen my neighbors. I'm, I'm anxious to ask my neighbors if they think that we're running a TB hospital from the 19th century because that's what it sounds like. But this is the way things go. My wife works a lot. Um, she now basically has three jobs. She is vice president of a nonprofit out of Colorado. She travels a lot for that. She's the vice president of Planned Giving. She is the founder and CEO of the Bold Movement, a women's ministry. And now she has just founded a media company focused on Christian content called 1801 Media. 1801 refers to a revival that happened in 1801. So she's got all this. It is not uncommon for Megan to work from 8, 9 o'clock in the morning till midnight, 1 o'clock at night. And so, even though I'm doing a PhD and I have this job, I still have some spare time. She has no spare time. I have some spare time. By the way, I, I, I get a little worried about her getting burned out, but because she has no spare time, Gary, no Hallmark movies so far. <laughs> Praise God. Um, I hate those things so much. Um, but, you know, I still have a little bit of spare time, like watching Ohio State lose yesterday. But anyway, I, I have some spare time. And so, in the morning, her um, demon puppies, and they're cute, but they're demon-possessed, and you can have them. She's traveling in another week, and about 6 a.m., the youngest one, this little uh, Shih Tzu Yorkie mix, nine pounds of fury, Clark, Clark will decide it's time to eat and it's time to play. Now, for some reason, even though I'm the one who feeds this dog, I'm the one who plays fetch with this dog in the morning, I'm the one who cleans up this dog's mess, it always goes to Megan. And it starts to nuzzle Megan and nudge Megan and lick Megan, and then eventually it'll get so frustrated that it'll do this, because Megan will take her blanket and just pull it over her head. I don't know why she does this. It doesn't work. This little dog goes up, knows right where her face is, and does this. And digs at her. Like he's going to dig through this blanket and get to her. And so, no matter if I've slept or not, I get my butt up, and I take the dog's and I take him outside, usually fix a cup of coffee or whatever. And, and I do this. And I will say this, because I want you to take this with a grain of salt. You need to understand about ministry and ministers. Um, I like the quote that Charles Stanley's son has. He has a very large church outside of Atlanta, and he likes to say, I'm the senior pastor here not because I'm the smartest or the holiest. I just got here first. Okay. 
and I want to caveat it this way, footnote it this way. I am not to be your example. I hope to be a good teacher for you, but I am not to be your example. Jesus is the only example. Paul is not the example. Moses is not the example. David is not the example. Peter is not the example. Only Jesus Christ is the example. Does that make sense? Only Jesus was sinless. Only Jesus was sinless. And so that's your example. But I will share this. This is what I do. Once I get the puppies situated and they're eating their overpriced organic dog food, ugh. My wife says, but that's what the vet said to feed them. Okay, honey. And what I do is I'm sitting on the back porch. We have an enclosed back porch, and I'm sitting there, and I say two things. One, Lord, thank you for another day of life. I don't know if you know this, but in the book of Hebrews 1.3, it says, if Jesus, in his mind, doesn't want you to exist, you will no longer exist. Every moment you have in life is because Jesus wants you to have it. Because he wills, actively wills you to have it. You owe every moment of your existence to Jesus Christ. And so I say, thank you, Lord, for another day. And then I say, have mercy on me, a sinner. That's what I do every morning. Because what I'm trying to do, what I'm striving to do, what I want to do, is I want to get to the place where Jesus Christ, God, the Father, the Holy Spirit, are at the front of my mind all day long. I'm 50 years old. I've had a couple of health scares. If my family's any sign, my genetics are any sign, I may have another 30, 35 years left. And praise God for that. But I have really begun thinking about what happens if I'm lucky enough to make it to 85 and I'm sitting in hospice care. And what will I be thinking? And I will tell you this, one of the things I will be thinking is all the time I wasted on complete and utter nonsense. Just nonsense. And all the time I could have been thinking about the Lord. I want to be mindful. I want you to study Scripture. I want you to see Scripture for what it is, which is a light into darkness. I want you to see that. And I want you to see that, as Rick Warren said in the opening of his book, what the Bible clearly teaches is it's not about you. It's about God. And it's about glorifying God. And that begins with recognizing God.
every moment of your day recognizing who God is and because of who he is, what that demands of you every single day. That true wisdom does not come from making ourselves comfortable or happy. That's not what life is about. Life, however long or short it is, is about glorifying Jesus Christ. So, what I hope you do, and what I hope I do, is I am in no way, shape, or form pretending that I have mastered this. What I want to do is that every morning when I get up, the first thing I, don't, I think of is not my wife's demon puppies and to get them off of her so she can go back to sleep. And it's not the cup of coffee. And it's not what I have to do that day. And it's not the supplements I take in the morning or any of that kind of stuff. The first thing that I do, and I hope the first thing you do, and then what I hope you do all day long is a constant prayer. Thank you, Lord, for another day of life. Have mercy on me, a sinner. And then to add this one, how may I serve you? How may I be privileged to serve you? The Bible teaches, the Bible is true wisdom. The Bible teaches all life is about glorifying God. Glorifying God begins with recognizing who he is and what that demands. Are you with me? Are you with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. You've not just given us our lives. You've given us wisdom to live our lives by. And that this wisdom says that why our salvation is so important, especially to you, that it's the next step of the people that you have saved, worshiping you, glorifying you, recognizing who you are every moment of the day, to be, as your servant Paul said, to be in constant prayer, to know that every moment is a gift from you, to know that we are sinners who must find forgiveness through you, and to know what an honor and a privilege it is to serve you. May I learn this. May this church learn this. May we do so to your honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So folks, remember um, a couple things, just a couple things. One, remember Christmas Eve service, 4 o'clock. We will be having communion and worship, so you want to get here on time. And uh, we will not be having service on Sunday the 25th on Christmas to stay home with your families. We'll worship all together on Saturday. That is the first thing you need to know. 
Two, I have a small group that meets on Tuesday night in the student center um, at 6.30. We play a game of, called the Rotten Tomatoes game, and then we have a quick Bible study. You're all welcome to it. That's two. Number three, just to remind you, Kentucky won their rivalry game. I'll leave you with that. God bless you. God goes with you. See you. Christ Community Church, located at 25th and Thomas Avenue in Portsmouth, Ohio. Christ Community meets on Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 10.30 a.m. For more information, visit www.christcommunity.net or check out our Facebook page.